Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, October 5th. Today on the show, we've got your Major League Baseball playoffs getting started. Who are the top four teams in college football? We will talk with Justin Mello of the Music City Audible podcast from Broadway Sports Media about what exactly he thinks can be fixed with this Titans team. But we begin with what I think fans should be concerned about long-term about this Titans team after the loss to the Jets. My guys over at the Kingston Group build this podcast, the 440, every single morning for free for you. So remember them. If you're thinking about doing some work on your home, they are a locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. And they know it takes a lot of time and effort and thinking before you make a big decision or big spend on your home. So make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. They'll help you with that process, whether it's two years out or five years out. Just talk to them. BuildKG.com is the website. That's the Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. So the Titans showing on Sunday to the New York Jets was one of the worst performances anyone has ever seen from a Mike Vrabel coach team. That's just a fact, period, end of discussion. Whether it was first, second, or fourth doesn't matter. It was one of the worst ones we've ever seen. The real question now as we turn the page to Tuesday and look ahead to the Jaguars game is, are there signs of bigger issues with this team moving forward, or was it simply a one-off shorthanded, very sloppy, everything went wrong that possibly could go wrong type of situation defensively. I thought they played relatively well for most of the game. Zach Wilson had a couple of busted plays and broken plays where he just made something happen, and sometimes in the NFL that just is an issue. So I'm not as concerned long-term about what the defense is going to do. And historically, traditionally, Mike Vrabel coached teams with their backs against the wall or following terrible showings generally come out and play extremely good football. The questions I have are about the play calling, the design, the scheme, the pass protection, and the red zone offense, all of which works together. My big question is, are those things solvable throughout the course of the season? And it's not Keith Carter's fault that they don't score touchdowns in the red zone or they're not protecting Ryan Tannehill. That starts with John Robinson for drafting two tackles in the first and second round each of the last two years, Isaiah Wilson and Dylan Radins, and not getting any snaps out of either one of them. It falls to Mike Vrabel for not coaching up the team. It falls to Todd Downing for not scheming around the weakness. He's taken way too long in almost every game to adjust to the fact that his quarterback is under siege. And then a little bit to Ryan Tannehill, who's got to make some adjustments on the fly to protect himself a little bit better. These long-developing, slow-play-action passes when you're facing an all-out blitz is not the answer. So the red zone scoring, which is a major concern, one of the worst in the league, from a team that used to be one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL. That's a question I want to know if it's solvable. Is the pass protection solvable? Is this just going to be the problem for this team the rest of the season? And if it is, expectations have to be lower than a deep playoff run. You just would be lucky to win the division comfortably. Those are major questions on the offense. I do think Todd Downing deserves a ton of credit for that touchdown call to Cam Batson. That was a very Arthur Smith-like touchdown call and play call, and I'm a big fan of how they finished that game. But we can't be waiting until the end of the fourth quarter to start drawing up the right plays and go into the quick, short passing game to, to adjust to the pressure. It needs to be better. So you can blame John Robinson. You can blame Mike Vrabel. You can blame Todd Downing and, and definitely blame Taylor Lewan in the offensive line. But Keith Carter ain't the guy, okay? This is not Keith Carter's fault. It's the guy's in charge fault. And the question is, is it solvable? If they can work out some of the issues, start finishing drives with touchdowns, protect the quarterback, continue to run the football, then I think all the things are still there for Titans fans to accomplish. 
All right, Justin Mello joining us here on the show. Of course, Music City Audible from Broadway Sports Media out every single Wednesday. You can check him out with Justin Graver as well. Justin, good to see you. And, and I'll just start with all the things that went wrong on Sunday for the Titans, which is basically all of them. W- which ones are the ones that create long-term concern for you? And which ones do you think are the things that, that are sort of just, that can be fixed? Well, I think some of the long-term concerns could be regarding health. You know, I, I think they need guys like Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, uh, Taylor Lewan, even who, who who did play, obviously, but wasn't at, uh, you know, the, the peak that we've expected from him. A guy like Bud Dupree, who they gave, you know, $85 million to in the offseason. I think those are the injury concerns that can get better, and, and you need those guys back. Uh, the mental breakdowns, communication issues, assignment issues in the secondary is concerning for me. You go, it goes back to week two against Seattle, where I thought this defense plays pretty well outside of giving up the big explosive plays, you know, and some of that is just, yeah, Russell Wilson and Zach Wilson creating off script and making things happen down the field, but there's no doubt they have to be better in those situations. And that's a bit concerning because they weren't very good in that area last year either. Uh, When I look at something that can be fixed, I would like to point to the offensive line. I mean, giving up seven sacks on Sunday, Tannehill's been already taken down 17 times. This is seven short of how many sacks he suffered last year. So that's really concerning. But you have to think that's an area that they get better in. Taylor Lewan, you imagine, will get it together at left tackle. Nate Davis has been really poor at right guard, and that's sort of unexpected. Keeping up with the theme of how bad and how much how they're on pace for to give up some of these numbers, uh, Nate Davis is just 10 pressures away from giving up just as many pressures as he did all of last season. So that's something that you would like to think will get better. And there is some evidence to suggest that it will. You know, I think Keith Carter is a really good offensive line coach. He's been here for a number of years. They've been a good performing unit under his watch. Hell, they they rushed for 2,000 yards a year ago. Again, they only gave about 23 sacks in 2020. And Carter has shown a tendency to have his offensive lines improve as time goes on, as the year goes by. We especially saw that uh, when Tannehill took over in week six, right? Uh, With Mariota under center there, that O-line really did not look good. And they got a lot better as that year uh, went on. So you'd like to think that's an area of the game that will improve. And if it does, uh, this offense can can quickly get back to uh, performing at the level that many expect them to. I don't think the sort of like, who do you blame for the loss game is all that productive for, for anybody. And it, it starts with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel and that's sort of it. That's where it ends. But when it comes to some of their issues, red zone offense in particular, not finishing drives, eight trips inside the 40, only two touchdowns. They've been slow to adjust on offense and the red zone offense is, is, is troubling. How much of that is Todd Downing? How much of that is the offensive line? You know, maybe Tannehill making some needs to make some more adjustments where do you, how much of this is, is at the feet of Todd Downing? I think you kind of said it there. I think it's a combination of issues. As of now, I'd have a hard time pointing the finger at one person or, or one entity in general. Yes, you know, Todd Downing likely has to coach better and call better plays. But when I look at a lot of those third down sacks in the red zone that occurred against the Jets on Sunday, you know, the, the Jets were winning time and time again with the same play call on defense. It was You saw, saw these delayed blitzes. They overwhelmed the offensive line. The Titans failed to see it coming. They failed to adjust. A lot of that has to fall on the offensive line, I'd like to think, and and their failure to communicate what they're seeing up front. Uh, Maybe Ryan Tannehill, you know, could have gotten rid of one of those a little quicker than he did. We can go on and on. Heck, on one of them, you get a bad snap by Aaron Brewer, right? A backup center on third down where he airmails it 
Then you talk about the receiver issue. Maybe if Julio Jones and AJ Brown are, are in this game, perhaps they get open, right? A half a second quicker. And, and you well, you know as well as I do, Braden, that half a second in the NFL can be a long time, right? When it comes to throwing windows. So I think all of those things are, are probably what combined uh, uh, to lead to this disaster that we saw on Sunday afternoon. Justin Mello, of course, along with Justin Graver, the Music City Audible podcast out every single Wednesday right here on the 440 Sports Network from the wonderful people at Broadway Sports Media. Justin, always a pleasure, my friend. Pleasure's all mine. So it is Tuesday, and I'll give you my top four teams in college football as I see it after five weeks of action. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. No change there. But with number three, Oregon losing, I moved Oklahoma up from four to three. They did a really good job on the road against Kansas State, who got their starting quarterback back, and they won fairly easily. So I think Oklahoma is number three for me right now. But really, three and four, you could argue, belong to, I don't know, a dozen different teams. Michigan's undefeated. Michigan State's undefeated. Oklahoma State, Wake Forest. You can go on and on down the list. Really, the conversation is the three Big Ten teams, Ohio State, Iowa, and Penn State, Cincinnati, and probably Oregon. I would lean right now Ohio State at number four. My top four, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. Yeah, I know, things you've never heard before. Iowa, Penn State, Oregon, Cincinnati, Michigan, all in the conversation. I need to see more from all of them in big-time spots before I put them ahead of teams that I know have the weaponry to score big-time points in any given situation with Oklahoma and Ohio State. I understand people would disagree, but the fact that we already have a one-loss team potentially in the top four already speaks to how chaotic this season has been, and it should mean weeks and weeks of drama left to come. So there's my top four, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. Major League Baseball's regular season is over and the postseason is here, the best kind of baseball. And despite not watching much of the regular season at all, as soon as the Mets choked away their first place lead this summer, as is tradition, I am all in on the playoffs. The AL wildcard will feature the Yankees at the Red Sox on Tuesday evening. That game gets started around 7 p.m. Central Time. The NL wildcard will feature the Dodgers, who won like a billion games this year, and the St. Louis Cardinals on Wednesday night. The Atlanta Braves, fresh off their fourth consecutive NL East Division title, will face the Milwaukee Brewers in their divisional series, which will get underway with game number one on Friday. The Giants will await the winner of the NL wildcard, while the Tampa Bay Rays will get either the Red Sox or the Yankees in the first round. Lastly, the White Sox will face the Astros in the other American League divisional series. It's the best time of year for baseball fans, and as I'm sure there are plenty of Cardinals and Braves and Yankees fans in Nashville ready to go. Now, let's just see if the Bravos can build on their first trip to the National League Championship Series last year, or, well, you guys know the punchline here. Either way, I'm all in on postseason baseball. I'll be watching on Tuesday night. Of course, the 440 brought to you by the Kingston Group, locally owned, award-winning for a reason. BuildKG.com is the website. Make sure if you're going to do some work on your house, just have a conversation with my guys over at the Kingston Group. It will be beneficial to you, even if you don't use them. BuildKG.com is the website. Remember the name, the Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening. Enjoy some playoff baseball tonight. Red Sox and Yankees, always fun when they get together. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, October 5th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. 